Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. All right, we're having fun tonight. You met the 50-50 winners, Quentin and Samantha Eberts. More on them on 630Chad.com. $435,920. Oddly enough, Ryan Hall's salary here at 630Chad. <laughs> I said I don't want to quite make 436. That's that's excessive. So I just move it to just just put it at 920. That's fine. I'll 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 panhandle for the rest. That's okay. Can you imagine Brian Hall as a panhandler? Hey, you got any, uh, you got any change there, buddy? No, I'm telling you, I, I know what, I know how much change you have. I, I, I know you don't have any. I just wanted to ask, just to see. That's all. I know what's happening. That's a pretty good Halsey. <laughs> I hope you years of practice, my young friend. <laughs> years of practice. My name is Reed Wilkins. The show is Inside Sports. Jelena Marjanovic is in studio. So uh, you're back from uh, France. You kept your belts. It was a draw. We are talking about fight number 50. Now, just to clarify, we're, we, we're not talking about fight number 50 as, th- as that's it. You reached 50 and then and then you hang them up. It's just a milestone. It is. It's a huge milestone. I mean, not a lot of fighters nowadays reach number 50 fight. Like, um, you know, back in... It, it depends on the, where you're from too. Like if you're in Mexico, you can fight every week. Like this is this is no actually. So I have a friend that promotes shows and bigger shows in Mexico. And when my fight fell through, I said, "Hey, can I come and fight in Mexico?" He said, "Yeah." Um, I said, "Okay. Well, when's the next show?" He said, "Saturday." And I said, "Yeah, but which Saturday?" He says, "Every Saturday." And I was like, "Oh, let's go down." Well, so I have options. I like options. Okay. So what, what do you think of this uh, Mayweather-McGregor stuff? Oh, wow. I have been following these um, the media, the press tour. I mean, you can't you can't play anything that McGregor says because every other word is like, uh, you'd yeah. have to beep it out. So it just well, they do like, beep. I was watching some the other day. They just oh, beefed it all out. It's unbelievable. But it is hilarious. I mean, I believe the press tour is going to be more entertaining than the fight. Well, the fight won't be close, right? No. Nobody thinks the fight's going to be close. No. I mean, every fight... Every Every fighter has a chance. There's always one sure. chance. You know, you always... Everybody has a puncher's chance. However, when you are fighting the... the Probably the best defensive fighter in the business, 40... Even put him at 60 years old. You're still not hitting Mayweather. It's not happening. The guy has been doing this since he was 12 years old. Like, there's no chance that you're going to get a clean enough punch on Mayweather to knock him out. Right. Um, you know, it's, uh, I always find it hilarious because people are like, he's so aggressive. I'm like, yeah, but you're taking away his knees, his kicks, his elbows. You're taking away more than half of his ar- artillery. Mm-hmm. You know, now you are just boxing. I don't know about you guys, but I remember the when he tried to stand up and box against uh, Nate Diaz in the first fight mm-hmm. and got the crap kicked out of him. Right. You know, like, so... Rematch was a little different, and yes, I believe he's been working on his boxing, but there's no chance you get five rounds against Floyd Floyd Mayweather. If you don't beat him or figure him out in those five rounds, you just better pray he doesn't hit you too many times in the end because he's got your timing, and you're not going to land a glove on him. Let me ask you this, though. As a boxer, what do you you think about UFC, how popular it's, it's become? You know, the UFC... 
did an amazing job marketing their brand and their business. I mean, you're a UFC champion. Everybody thinks you're like a world champ. Well, actually, no, you're just the champion of an organization. Like it's a league, basically. You're a champion of a league. Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, that's cool. That's great. The league now is progressed to being around the world, and they do their competitions everywhere. And they've done such an incredible job marketing and and putting their brand in front of everybody in the world. So now the UFC, people don't say, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a mixed martial artist. People are like, do you do UFC? Do I do what? Pardon me? No, I don't do UFC. Nobody does UFC. People do it's MMA. It's synonymous. That's a good it, point. But it is incredible. It's like, say, pass me a Kleenex. Well, no, it's a facial tissue. Yes. Kleenex is just one brand. So, I mean, it's incredible what they've done with their brand. And right. it's, it's impressive, you know. Um, I, I give them all the credit in the world. And, and, you know, being able to showcase female athletes and female MMA artists, they have done so much for the sport for females now now women boxers are really getting the mainstream as well because now we're having all of these olympic champions and i believe they open the door for women's boxing in the olympics as well as well mm-hmm. i think they kind of kicked open those floodgates and now it's acceptable um and now you're getting a lot of these olympians females that are turning pro and now you're getting a lot a lot more mainstream action you're getting um you're getting girls in all these undercards you know who are being showcased on top rank um on Deloya, like golden boy and all of these shows they're standing behind their women so it's nice to see um and that is because this marketing mogul of the ufc it's unbelievable so i guess the question is why can't boxing get its stuff together like along those because look mm-hmm. I, let's face it boxing is not as publicized as it was like when i was a kid in the 80s i don't i don't think like it was it was But you as, tell me something Conor McGregor just quadrupled his net worth okay not not what he makes per fight his net worth because yes he is fighting the best boxer in mm-hmm. the world but it's because boxing is so much bigger than MMA, okay? So you're saying On the big fights still the big, the big fights, fights are still are there. Still I mean, look sell. at look at uh, Klitschko and Anthony Joshua. How mm. many people tuned in for that? They sold out a 90,000 person arena in I believe it was under 10 minutes. Are you doing that in UFC? I don't think so. Are they getting paid? tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars like Floyd Mayweather is? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. So you just quadrupled an MMA fighter's net worth. I don't know about you, but I can't... I'm not very good at math, but I can kind of figure it out. Yes, quadruple is... Yes, fair enough. Net worth. Not what he made per fight. Net worth. So, I mean... I mean, you can tell me, you can argue all you want that boxing is, uh, that MMA is bigger than boxing, UFC is bigger than boxing, but why are our fighters getting paid way more? Well, that's an interesting point, and I maybe, but maybe it's the event aspect of it, right? Because UFC has a thing every month, pretty much, right? Correct. Right. But so does boxing around the world. There's fights probably even tonight. You know, so uh, I mean, the thing, the reason why we're a little bit, we're not as big is because, like we said, UFC is 
one organization, whereas boxing has all these different rankings and 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 um, and organizations putting on all these shows. So yeah, it's not just you're not just watching one organization if you want to watch it. And there isn't MMA isn't um, just. It isn't just the UFC. There are a lot of other organizations that have fighters right. that showcase fighters. Um, Invicta just does. They only do women's um, MMA. Like there are other organizations. It's just the biggest one because they've done the best job at marketing their company is the UFC. Got a texter who says uh, Jelena versus Holly Holmes. You know, we tried to fight Holly Holm way back in the day really? when I was a little bigger. Now I'm now I'm a lot lighter than Holly, but um, <laughs> when I was a little bit more robust, <laughs> um, we tried to make a fight with Holly, and they just didn't. They they wanted nothing to do with it. So um, you know, now I've gone down a lot in weight, and Holly is um, transitioned to you know. MMA, which for women's for women's sports, MMA is paying a lot more than boxing. Let me tell you, Holly's Holly's more than quadrupled her net worth, um, <laughs> MMA. But um, you know, she that would have been a good fight. It would have been interesting to see. Um, unfortunately, that doesn't happen now. I think I would have won. I mean, uh, but then we go back to me saying that I think I should win everything. Well, you should. <laughs> uh, this texture says, really make fun of Brian Hall? You people were hatching on a rock when Brian was doing the sports. First of all, I'm not making fun of Brian Hall. It's a loving tribute. Second of all, of that texture, you should hatch a sense of humor. Jelena, what, uh, what's the next couple weeks ahead for you? Still resting a little bit? Uh, well, I, I've been working out. I mean, I've been running and just trying to... I get bored quickly, so, you know... Come on the radio. Come on the radio, do a couple shows, go to a couple Eskimo games, no big deal. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just hanging out. I'm catching up on a lot of things that I missed out. Um, you know, I have a business venture I am working on um, that I will be announcing shortly. All right. Um, so I have that. That's consuming a lot of my time. Um, I'm doing a all-females boxing camp. I'm a guest coach um, in Souk, BC. So they're bringing me out to do that um, uh, July 31st. Um, I don't know if it's announced, but I'm, I'm announcing. I'm playing in the Oilers Pro-Am uh, charity oh, good. golf tournament. So I've, I've, I definitely have to get a round or two of golf in because I don't want to embarrass myself because I have to win that too. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot. I'm doing a lot. I'm staying busy. Um, I would like to get back in the boxing gym, but the boss is away until uh, the end of the month. So, you know, a couple workouts here and there won't that he won't see won't hurt me. So, uh, you know, just staying busy and hanging out. Well, it's always great to have you on the show. I always appreciate that uh, you're willing to, to come into studio and sit down for an extended chat whenever whenever you have time. And, uh, you know, we look forward to Fight 50, hopefully being in Edmonton and, and keeping in touch about that. How do people follow you on Twitter and online? Uh, at Jelena Boxing, and it's J-E-L-E-N-A Boxing. And same same handle for Instagram. All right. Thanks a lot for coming in. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. It's 717. Jelena Marjanovic in studio on Inside Sports. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right. Appreciate everybody tuning in tonight. Sam G. texting in says, uh, hey, Reed. Jelena sounds very intelligent. She states her opinions about the differences between the two sports very well. I agree. 
Delina Marjanovic was in studio, WBA and WBC featherweight champ, coming off a uh, draw in France on July 1st. That was Fight 49, so she retains those belts. We'll see what comes ahead for Fight 50. Obviously, she explained that she's uh, very hopeful about having it in uh, in Edmonton, but uh, nothing formal there. We will keep following that story. She is indeed a great guest to have on the show. So, we're going to get back to the Edmonton Eskimos uh, here. I mentioned to Darius Bowman, uh, not looking like he's going to play next game in Hamilton on Thursday. We'll have it for you on Ched, 4 o'clock for the countdown to kick off. The game will start at 5.30. Uh, you heard my uh, the great clip I got about Jason Moss about not going for two. Now, I sat down with a guy the Eskimos drafted in 2016 out of Michigan State. He uh, spent last year with the Dallas Cowboys, and he's a Canadian kid from Windsor, Arjun Colhoun. Interesting name. So uh, we talked football, but first I, I talked about his often misspelled and mispronounced last name. It's a Scottish name. Uh, it's Colhoun, and it's spelled C-O-L-Q-U-H-O-U-N, but the Q and the U are silent, so it's just Colhoun. So are you pretty Scottish or not? <laughs> not at all. <laughs> not at all. When did you start playing football? How old were you? Uh, I was about nine. Uh, I played uh, WMFA, Windsor Minor Football Association, and uh, ever since then. So since nine, I've been playing. I'm 24 now. So it's been a long road. So you're growing up in Windsor. So was this uh, Detroit Lions as your heroes? Was it CFL teams or a mixture of both? What can you tell me? Uh, I'd watch CFL from time to time, but um, just being so close to the border and being so close to Detroit, I really watched the Detroit Lions. Uh, that was my favorite team, and really it was my dad's favorite team. So that's why I watched them, and uh, they seemed to disappoint me every week. Did you have any other football players in your family? Um, no, I'm really the first one, I'd say. So my dad played, but uh, he wasn't as good as me. But <laughs> I'm just playing. He's a good player, but yeah. Why did you want to play to begin with? Because I assume you had lots of friends that played hockey or soccer or basketball or whatever. Yeah, football wasn't uh, the biggest sport. I was really into baseball. I was a big baseball guy. I was playing baseball since I was four or five years old. So uh, I always grew up playing uh, baseball, and, fo- and football was kind of in the background. But uh, once I get, got to make my decision, my parents said it was up to me if I wanted to pursue my baseball career or pursue my football career, and I chose uh, football. All right. Uh, were you always a defensive player? I was actually a running back in, in high school. I played a little defense, but I was more on the offensive side. Uh, sometimes I wish I could go back on the offensive side, but uh, playing defense got me here, so I'm going to stick with that. Well, you get hit less on defense, in theory, anyway, I guess. In theory. I'd ra- my theory is I'd rather hit than be hit, so that's my theory behind it. So when you get recruited to Michigan State, I mean, that's a pretty big school with a, with a great history. Uh, what Did you have a lot of options, or how did that whole process go? Because that must have been a stressful time. Fun time, but stressful time. It's definitely a stressful time. Uh, a lot of coaches are bidding for you, and, you you know, you're trying to find out what school fits you and what program will fit you and where, where you could play earliest and, uh, there's a lot that goes into it. So, really, I just went to a couple football camps in the states to uh, to make it short, and I started getting interest from schools. Uh, Michigan State was obviously my number one, and it was just because I, I was I'm from I'm closest to Michigan, so that's the closest state to me. Um, I wanted my family to be able to come to the games and see me and cheer for me. And uh, as funny as it sounds, my favorite my my uh, high school was green and white, so I wanted to stay green and white. So that was that, that weighed in on the options. What was it like actually? Going to a Big Ten school, the the the, the fan passion. Uh, I mean, so much happening around game day and all that. 
it honestly it was surreal. My first game, I remember running out of the tunnel and just looking up into the stands, and it was just tremendous to see how just how much support and school spirit there was, and uh, it really opened my eyes to how big football is. And it's just not us; it's everybody that's involved, from cheerleaders to coaches to fans, and it really just opened up my eyes to how big this this sport really is. And uh, having it in Canada and and in the the United States, it's biggest sport in North America so uh, just to be on that stage and to be able to play against uh, these great players that are in the CFL and NFL was just a great opportunity it was surreal. I got a quick story for you the night you were drafted I was hosting this show mm-hmm. and a listener from Michigan listening online wow. called in to tell me he watched you at Michigan State and the Eskimos got a good one does that surprise you? <laughs> That, that's I'm, I'm, I feel humbled. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that. So whoever that listener was, uh, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I was just glad that the uh, Edmonton Eskimos took a chance on me, uh, Ed Harvey. Uh, I haven't met you, but thank you for the opportunity of bringing me here and uh, letting me be on this fantastic team. What was last year like uh, with with the Cowboys and maybe I don't know if you felt like you was limbo a little bit or how did that feel? Um, it was good. Uh, what what really happened was I was I was still kind of coming back from injury and uh, from the Cotton Bowl and from the Michigan State season and I wasn't a hundred percent and uh, I took an injury and uh, got hurt in a preseason game, but. Uh, just being there, it's real professional, and uh, it's it's crazy. You're playing for the Dallas Cowboys. That's America's team. So uh, it was just a good experience, and I think those experiences that I that I had there are helping me here, and it's helping me to just become a better professional, a uh, better person, and a better man. So uh, I just try to just take what I learned from every experience, from Michigan State, from being in the NFL, from being in the CFL, and just try to put it together and make myself a better player. You've been playing on the corner here, obviously. Give me a sense of how you feel you've progressed through camp and, you know, getting getting to start now. And obviously Ottawa went after you on the first play on Friday, on Friday night. Uh, uh, it's getting easier and easier. I'm getting more comfortable. Um, I, was, I, I had to get used to the, the size difference of the field again, even though in high school I played on this size field. It was six years since I did it. But... Um, the game's slowing down a little more for me, and uh, it's getting better. Uh, I still want to make plays. I missed a couple plays opportunities last week, and uh, I just want to take advantage of those, and that's what I want to do this week. I just want to just keep perfecting my craft and keep working and uh, just make sure that the guys that I play with, uh, they have trust in me and keep, and keep the trust of the coaches and stuff like that, and I just want to be someone that the coaches can rely on to make plays. That is Arjun Colhoun, defensive back for the Edmonton Eskimos. And I got to say, yeah, you know, he, he got had a couple tough plays against Ottawa on Friday, but you also saw Ottawa go after him right on the first play of the game, one-on-one coverage. He made a good play to knock down the ball. And I think that's, you know, that's been an area of concern for the Eskimos over the last year and a bit has been the secondary. Uh, you know, they've had guys get injured already this season. There, and there was a lot of assumption with Colhoun that he was going to play safe because where does the Canadian defensive back often go? He goes at safety. So if he can play on the corner and be effective, that's going to help with the ratio as well. So he's a guy to follow. Where's number 36 for the green and gold? By the way, if you missed all the 50-50 stuff or want to know more about the winners, Quentin and Samantha Eberts, go to 630ched.com. They were unveiled 
today, $435,920. All right, we're coming up to the 7.30 news, but the show is far from over. FC Edmonton bringing back one of their star players, and they have had a frustrating first half of the season because the offense really dried up. Head coach Colin Miller is going to explain why. Of course, you can always call me, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Coming back after the news. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Well, thank you, Nuge. 1-1, Blue Jays in Boston. That game's in the uh, top of the fifth at Fenway. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Really good to have you along for the ride tonight. Great to have Jelena Mergenovic in studio. Great Edmontonian, WBA, WBC featherweight champion. Just battled to a draw in France on Canada Day. Fight number 50 is up next. Really appreciate that she took the time to come in. We, we got discussing their boxing, uh, MMA, UFC, uh, popularity, all that uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, hopefully Edmontonians are following her career, regardless of how much they follow uh, boxing in general. We got Patrick Bauer on the other side of the window as our uh, studio producer this evening. I don't think I've ever asked you, Patrick. You are not the... Uh, uh, Kellen Kennedy is the, most often the uh, studio producer on this show. Yeah. You're, uh, you work uh, occasionally on yep. Inside Sports. Uh, though I believe Kellen is off this uh, off this week or most of this week. Yeah, summer schedules, you know, holidays here, there, all over the place. So you'll see more of me. So what... Uh, well, thanks for the warning. Uh, <laughs> you, you, what, what, what would be your top three uh, sports to spectate? To spectate, yes. um, I love the fighting sports. You know, you do, eh? UFC, boxing. Yeah, I boxed. I did MMA when I was younger and stuff, but uh, I didn't win any titles or even a, a set of gloves. You did or it recreationally. Recreationally, that yeah. Like I, I did a lot of things to, recreationally. That seems like an odd sport to do recreationally. MMA. Yes. Yeah, it was more of. Um, I couldn't. I didn't find a boxing gym I liked when I was in Saskatoon, so I looked into MMA and found a guy there that cut me a deal. He had a university student special, so. So would you? Did you have any competitive bouts, or was it just sparring? Just or Sparring, out, yeah, yeah, messing around so a little bit. you didn't do anything. I have a but very... But it's still dangerous. I was going to say you didn't do anything overly risky, but no. the, the sport itself... I don't have a... My, my temper control isn't there, so, you know, one good <laughs> shot to the beak and I'd have lost my cool, and I knew that about myself, so I didn't pursue it too intently. But, yeah, the fighting sports are great, and I love football and hockey. I love watching right. them, but I would prefer to watch them live than on TV. You know, I, I, I can't get into it as much in on a TV as I can in person. You know what I'm saying? Well, live's a different experience, though, though there are plenty of people. Sometimes we get into this discussion on the show. There, there are plenty of people who prefer watching, watching, you know, I mean, like it, it can be expensive to go to a sporting event. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about it. Pick, pick a pick a team. I mean, to varying degrees. But of course, but even if you take out the cost. There are now, I think, a significant group of people who will say, I would sooner watch at home because of the the replay, the option to change the channel if it's a bad game or watch another game. And I mean, even the NFL, which has become a juggernaut in my in my lifetime uh, in terms of its exposure. I mean, even the NFL has had some issues with decreased attendance. And a lot of people will say, I would just sooner stay home. And at 11 in the morning, mountain time, 1 o'clock Eastern, I can pick from five games. You buy the NFL package for whatever it is for yep. a year. You flip to the most exciting game. You never have to watch commercials, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, so you raise a good point about the, the whole live in-person thing. Have you seen the Atlanta Falcons have a new stadium? 
Yeah, they're going into it for yeah for this year. Have you seen the price list for their concession stands? Oh, I I saw the tweet a few weeks like ago. Like five dollar beers, two dollar hot dogs. You know, like surprisingly affordable. Is, compared are to the they $12 doing that for the whole season, or was that just a special? Maybe it was just an introductory one, but either way, it's going to draw a big don't, crowd. Don't they have a the jumbotron that like wraps around the whole end of the field? Or it's an like expensive that? stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I don't know if government subsidized making, or they're what. They're making money. They're they're making. I can't remember how that one was was paid for. But hey, you know they they're they're a great team. I mean, the, they they won the Super Bowl, right? right. I mean, they had that big lead and put away the. Oh, sorry, wait, forgot they didn't. <laughs> Savage. That was mean. Like, what do I have against the Atlanta Falcons? Nothing. As a matter of fact, I don't really like the Patriots. I don't know. Just a uh, hey. I, I guess I'm just being mean tonight. Just somebody, mean by nature. Didn't like my Brian Hall impression. Now I'm being mean to the Atlanta Falcons. Somebody from Atlanta is probably listening online. Don't bring that up. Uh, Too soon. I mean, I, I'm I'm probably a bit of a unusual. I mean, clearly hockey, football are yeah. far and away my two favorite sports to follow. And I mean, I got to talk about them a lot work-wise as well, given the the two teams we broadcast on the station. But I, I have over the last few years, golf has solidified itself as my number three. Though I mainly just watch the majors, but I like playing golf. Though mm-hmm. I do it incredibly poorly, as I was reminded this morning. <laughs> At, uh, but I mean, is somebody vacuuming? Oh, we got we got the vacuum right here. Just turn your mic on. Who cares? Yeah, it's, it's a... like I'm doing a show from my, my basement. We got, <laughs> we got the basement. We, we take got... the garbage out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's okay. That's okay. A little uh, little sound effects in the in the background. Well, we how got could... our foley artist. <laughs> Uh, Tell you what, the most popular sport in the world, no doubt, is uh, football, as it's called in most of the globe. Soccer here in North America. FC Edmonton, through the first half of their season, they have some work to do. They need to start scoring some goals. Their head coach is Colin Miller. Colin, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, Reid. Thank you very much for having me back on Inside Sports. It's been a little while, but uh, a pleasure to be back on the show. Yeah, it's always great to talk to you, and you guys have reached the uh, the halfway point of your season. The spring season is done. Uh, you're getting ready for the uh, the fall campaign. Uh, I want to talk about an addition to your team that's exciting. But, Colin, i, I got to tell you, my heart would break a lot of times when I would see your scores or read the post-game story. And I look back uh, at your schedule yesterday. I found eight losses by the score of one nil. What's going on? Uh, I mean, you're not—you weren't allowing a lot of goals, but you just couldn't find the net, eh? Yeah, I think you've summed it up, Reed. And if your heart was breaking, you could imagine what my heart was doing. Uh, it's been one of those really, really frustrating uh, spring seasons, Reed. Probably the worst that we've had since I've been the head coach of the of the club. Uh, not from a lack of effort from the players, uh, although I, I would be critical of them down in, in Puerto Rico in one particular game. But uh, we've been very unfortunate. As you said there, Reid, eight results with a 1-0 score. Now, uh, it doesn't sound like a lot, you know, but you add up those defeats, Reid, and even if you're picking up a, a, a point from those games, you're eight points further up, up the table. So... Um, I'm very disappointed. We haven't carried a lot of luck, and I'm not going to sit here and make excuses about this could have happened, the referees, blah, blah, blah. But uh, we have created more chances, I think, in this spring season than we've done in previous seasons, even when the team was winning. 
So it's not from a lack of creating the chances. It's just been the difference of somebody putting those chances in the back of the net. And uh, we've sorted things out defensively for the most part, Reid. Uh, it's just been a lack of, of somebody, and I'm not blaming it on one particular player. Uh, you know, we win together and we lose together, but uh, goodness me, I'd love somebody from the group just to jump forward here now and say, oh, I'm going to be the guy that's going to score 10 or 15 goals in this spring season. Well, there must be an impact on, and you and I have talked about this before, on the effect of, I mean, you and I talked a couple of years ago when you guys gave up a goal 18 seconds into the season or something like that, and, and you admitted it might have stayed with the guys for four or five games after that. Um, I mean, how, do, how as a coach do you make sure there's some offensive confidence and still that positive feeling that they're going to score when, when the goals haven't been going in? What, what do you do to try to keep that positivity high? Well, and, and that's been the, the fantastic thing about the group, Reid, is that no one has... No one is allowed to drop their head anyway, but uh, as a group, we, we continue to focus on the attacking. We, can, we put uh, players in small-sided games, lots of shooting exercises, crossing and finishing exercises, putting them around the opposition goal as much as possible. And you should see it. We score goals for fun uh, during uh, training. Uh, you know, I've heard the term a coach killer uh, being used because it's, uh, you know, we score goals in training, but never in, uh, in a first-team game. So, but what we have done, we've consciously stayed away from putting any negative uh, thoughts in players' minds. We're, we continue to be positive, put the players in the right environments, the right conditions, the right situations in training, and hopefully we can uh, kickstart some goal scoring because some of the build-up play is right out of the training ground. Some of the crossing and finishing exercises are right out of the training ground, but it's just been the difference maker of, of somebody putting the ball in the back of the net. It's when, when we're not creating chances, Reed. then I would be, or, 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 sorry, if we weren't creating chances, then I would be genuinely concerned. But uh, for the most part, we have created good chances in every game this season. Colin Miller, coach of FC Edmonton, joining us on Inside Sports. All right, so you'll you'll keep grinding away. Obviously, you know you're going to have to to have a little bit of a burst here, or or win the second half to get into the playoffs, which is not out of the realm of possibility. And you're going to get some help there because Daryl Fordyce, who's been a great member of the team for several years, you know I've had the pleasure of interviewing him. He's back. First of all, tell people where he was and how now he gets to return to the team. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. There was a number of players. There were a number of players that we lost at the tail end of last season after the the season had finished, and some of those players left the club through, in some cases, no fault of their own. It was the league itself, if you remember right, was on a bit of a wobble, and our owners rightly said we're not going to uh, renegotiate any more contracts or extend any contracts because we weren't quite sure if there was actually going to be a league to begin. So, um, and I would have done the same. Darrell looked at uh, some of his options, as you could imagine. He's a he's a very marketable player, and he ended up going down to Cincinnati in the USL. Uh, he was made a very good offer. He did. He moved down there, rightly so, with his wife Tina, and they, he thought it was going to be a good thing. We lost the player through no fault of our own. We made him an offer, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't going to be fulfilled because Tom Faf and and uh, we weren't going to continue paying new contracts which made sense I would have done the same thing if I had been in Tom's shoes so anyway Darrell went down to Cincinnati and for one reason or another uh, it wasn't a productive move for him so he 
was released by Cincinnati and of course as soon as I, I found out about that uh, we jumped all over it and thankfully Tom and Dave Fath have uh, supported the move to bring Daryl back because we never left we didn't want to lose Daryl and uh, he left on good terms with the club and now it's one of those players that is a, is a real fan's favourite is a club's highest scorer so it's a very very positive step forward now in trying to solve one of those main problems that we had in the spring season, that was scoring goals. Yeah, well, he's going to help, and, and obviously you, you guys aren't far away, so hopefully you get a run going in the other direction. You're back on the, uh, the is it the 30th your next game when the second half yes, starts? Yes, that's right. We're home to Indy 11 uh, on the Sunday. It's actually the first Sunday kickoff, I believe, we've had this year. So, And I've got to say on the radio here, read that... Uh, the fans this season have, I think, broke all attendance records for the Eddies, and we're absolutely delighted. The home support has been absolutely amazing this year. We sold out against the Cosmos uh, on Saturday night there, and the three previous games were all around the 3,900 mark. So the attendances are on the rise. We just have to make sure the results are on the rise as well. Right on. Well, Colin, we'll keep following you guys. Uh, we're going to work on getting uh, Fordyce on the show as well. Look forward to talking to him. All the best, and thanks for joining us here during your break. Well, my pleasure, Reed. Anytime. Thanks for the support. That's Colin Miller, head coach of FC Edmonton, and uh, talk about needing a break or two. Eight one nothing losses in 16 games in the spring season. They only scored 11 times in 16 games. They lost five of their last six by the score of 1-0. But Fordyce coming back is definitely going to help. It is 7.46. We're going to take a quick timeout inside sports on 6.30 Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. Now 3-1 for the Blue Jays in Boston. That game in the top of the sixth. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Ched. My name is Reed Wilkins. Man, we've talked a lot tonight. We ain't done. We are not done. Pleased to welcome back to the show. Man, I respect. A ton. Paul Sir, Executive Director of Basketball Alberta. Paul, how's it going? Great, Reed. Great to be here. Yeah, it's good to talk to you. Man, uh, always enjoy talking sports with you. I know you have some specific things we want to get into, Paul, but it would not be a fair interview if I didn't throw you a curveball. Are you ready? I'm ready. Well, it's not really a curveball <laughs> because you, you've dealt with it, but it's sort of a topic I want to, I want to get into uh, because you have coached, uh, obviously, uh, you, you know, you, you're, you've you played basketball at a high level. And we were just talking to uh, Colin Miller from FC Edmonton. Now, soccer's a low-scoring sport, but they got shut out a lot in the first half of the season. Basketball, you expect there are going to be a lot of points, but you have guys go cold or uh, you know lose their mojo a little bit if you want to call it that as a coach when you when you go through that with a player or a team where they just aren't hitting the shots or can't get the offense going and you see the confidence waning uh can you coach a team out of that do you have to let it run its course or how what would your approach be if you had an option c reed i'd say all of the above because (laughs) i think it's it's really a combination of both it's it's inexplicable, isn't it, in sport, how players can go into slumps. And then conversely, uh, in, the, uh, in the sport of basketball, sometimes when you're on a roll, the rim looks like it's uh, you know, four feet wide. And then when you're, uh, when, you're, when you're in a slump, it looks like you're trying to hit a, 
uh, a cup on a green right. uh, in, in golf. I mean, it, it's just unbelievable how it can wane like that. And I think the thing is, if I'll, I'll speak specifically to shooting. When, when players go into shooting slumps, it, it really becomes the psychological uh, whirlpool that players start going into. They start pressing. They start pushing harder. They get tense. And that, of course, throws the rhythm off their shots. So what, what, you, what, what I always tried to do was remind players, number one, trust your training. If you've worked hard, you've got your muscle memory down, you know you can make your shots. It's just a question of working through the slump. And that ties into your option B read of, uh, you know, of just working through it. But then what I also think is really important is analyze what the problem may be. Oftentimes, particularly for shooters, it's a hitch in their shot that they've had, that they've let creep in or that they're unaware has creeped in. And if you go through some basic analysis, you can usually find where that hitch is and start working your way out of it. And then you just have to get reps up. And then you have to just, like I said, trust in your training. It's going to come back. And the law of averages always seem to work out. Great shooters end up shooting at a, at a high percentage even when they have slumps. Yeah, it's it, I, I, you know I love that that talk about the mental side of it, and I know one of the simple things sometimes a guy will say, and you can name the sport is is sometimes you say, well, I just I just stopped thinking about it, but but again, they're 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 going back to rely on the muscle memory, and probably and like you said, probably what happened was they unknowingly altered something, and then yeah. just had a game or an outing where they just stopped thinking about it and went back to the muscle memory that was built in. You know, I've seen players go through slumps where they're playing well, then all of a sudden they have a game that's not so good, then the next game it really takes a big dive. And then, and then it's a question of how long they're going to stay bottomed out. Right. The great players don't worry about it. They just go out and they just keep taking the shots that they're supposed to take even if they're cold the next game. And then all of a sudden the shot comes back where I think coaches make a mistake. And this, I think, is the biggest mistake. One of the biggest mistakes coaches make is when they start second-guessing players when they're taking the correct shot and it's not going in. Uh. That is one way to kill a guy's con- a player's confidence is you'd never second-guess good shots. If you're a good shooter, you take good shots. No matter whether you make or miss, that's your role on the team. And so I, I think that's a coaching becomes critical, maybe more to not extend the uh, to not extend the slump, but rather keep it short by just showing your confidence in the player. Right. Well, and I think that's a good point. There's a difference between a bad decision and a bad result, right? So yeah, if a guy's totally. shooting within within the offense, uh, hey Paul, we want to have you on because the three on three basketball has been a big point of discussion this summer. We had the national championship at West Edmonton Mall, and uh, weren't you weren't you just in Saskatoon watching the uh, the world qualifier? What's going on there? Or did go yeah, on there? We were in. Yeah, we were in Saskatoon over the weekend, and I have to go to another sport uh, to to describe what Saskatoon as a city did in hosting this uh, FIBA 3x3 world qualifier, and I'll go to baseball, and Saskatoon absolutely read hit it out of the park. It was a spectacular event. The setting, the location, and the, and the, the planning that went into it, the execution of the plan, and then the attendance, uh, 
you know, the, the official seating capacity was 800. Every seat was filled, standing room all around uh, the, the court, and then hundreds of people outside of the court looking in. It was just a phenomenal event, and I think people got a great look at why three-on-three on, three on three is not only an Olympic sport but an awfully fun version of basketball to watch. It was highly entertaining. Uh, the Team Saskatoon uh, group that has been so successful in Edmonton got to the championship game, uh, unfortunately lost to a, uh, the second-ranked team in the world in last year's world championship, Ljubljana from Slovenia. Very, very good team. Uh, but the the dream matchup was had, number one against number two, and Team Saskatoon uh, showed very, very well. And, of course, my son Steve was uh, playing is now playing with Team Saskatoon, and he uh, really, really enjoyed uh, the the whole experience. All right. Well, and, and, and speaking of shooting, Steve's one of the best shooters in – Edmonton's history and does he still didn't he have some NCAA record does he still have that proves a percent three-point percentage he has the NCAA record he has the whole still has the whole record okay yeah second overall uh, in three-point shooting percentage first overall in all-time shooting for three-point shooting percentage for players that made over 300 threes in their career so this is a, a natural step for Steve at this stage of his career so uh yeah, three on three. Our our national championship event at West Ed went great, and we have big hopes and plans for three on three in our city going forward to build it out even more. All right, we got to talk more about that, Paul. Let's keep in touch over the summer. We'll do something more extensive because it is it is fun to watch, and and you're doing great work uh, promoting it. Thanks for coming on, buddy. We'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate it, Reed. You take care. That's Paul Sir, Executive Director, Basketball Alberta. Tonight, you also heard from Colin Miller, coach of FC Edmonton. Jelena Mergenovich in studio, WBA and WBC featherweight champion. Eskimos head coach Jason Moss, cornerback Arjun Colhoun, and 50-50 winners Quentin and Samantha Eberts. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. He's in Hamilton with Morley Scott. They'll be on air 4 o'clock Thursday for the Tiger Cats and the Eskimos. The studio producer tonight, Patrick Bauer. My name is Reed Wilkins. A pleasure talking to you tonight. See you tomorrow.